Hey there, welcome to episode 35 of the Author Elevate podcast, where we celebrate books, equip authors, and promote brain-happy creative living. So if you're an author looking for sustainable success on your terms, you're in the right place. And if you're a curious reader who just wants to know more about the author process and also check into our awesome uh, what my book taught me, uh, book features and author features, you are also in the right place. And I'm so glad that you're here. I'm your friendly host, Janina Polito, and I am so, so excited about the episode that we are diving into today. We are going to be discussing how to add author assistant and virtual assistant services to your bookish career. So in last week's episode, we tackled key tips for hiring an author assistant, usually called a, called a virtual assistant because they're often online. And you can do them in person, but again, usually they're online. And as I mentioned last week, this week we're going to take a look at being that kind of assistant. A lot of authors can be intrigued by this because it doesn't take the level of specific knowledge of an edit or a cover creation, or the, although it can actually take specific knowledge and that can help you to charge more for your assistant services. And also author assistant services can provide stable income on a long-term basis, not a project by project basis, which this is, this can be great for authors who want to supplement their growing book sales in a way that's going to be sustainable. But is becoming an author assistant right the right choice for you? We're going to discuss all of that in today's episode. And we are also going to dive into some aspects of writing that messy middle of your book. Um, we're going to tackle that in the our take of the week and super excited about that. So lots of great value in this episode and so glad you're here. And before we dive into all that, if you're listening on YouTube, uh, please subscribe and hit the bell icon for notifications so that you never miss an episode. And just a heads up, next week I am going to be on vacation. So instead of doing a regular podcast episode, I'm actually going to drop an exclusive video on my YouTube channel. So if you're only listening to this uh, through the podcast distribution, this is a great time to hop over to YouTube and subscribe so that you're getting those exclusive uh, videos that are, are only available on my YouTube channel, Author Elevate. So if you haven't done it already, this is a great time to do that. Also, we have an awesome Facebook group, the Author Elevate Jam Session with daily prompts, questions, encouragement, and support. Also, when I was looking for some quick interviews, I dropped the request in that Facebook group and everyone there got first dibs and are still going to get first dibs. So if you're making those connections with me, if you're in my Facebook group, uh, Author Elevate Jam Session, if you're on my, e on my weekly newsletter, you are going to have... Um, greater access to me, access to deals, exclusive things, all of that fun stuff. And if you'd like to take uh, your support to a whole nother level, consider being one of our patrons at the Author Elevate Patreon. Our mission is market-focused author help with a psychological brain-happy angle so that you can have that sustainable success. And we'd absolutely love your support. You get early access to episodes. You get exclusive weekly trainings, uh, bonus content that is at the $3 and above level. And you also get cheat sheets at the upper levels. You get discounts. It's a great way to show that you are supporting what we're doing and how we're trying to make um, this wonderful, happy connection between doing things in a market-focused way to reach your ideal readers, whoever they are, but also do it in a way that's sustainable and makes sense uh, for your overall life instead of you getting super burned out. So uh, if that sounds good to you, please go ahead and check out the Author Elevate Patreon. 
Now, some personal shares. Had a temp drop here recently where I live. And so it was great in terms of the weather because we went from like super high temperatures, 15 degrees down to like the low 70s. Horrible on my sinuses. So I had a bit of a health flare with that combined with some other things. My body said, ooh, look, we can we can feel bad. Let's do that. <laughs> so shout out to there if anything, anything seasonally changing, even if it's just like a one-time thing kind of makes you go, ah, my body's going to scream and be terrible. So that's something I had to work through. I am working away on editing the superhero book and on rewrites of three other books right now. So I'm kind of in this giant rewrite chasm <laughs> that I'm working on having a good attitude about because, hey, the books are in fact written. I just have to go back and rewrite uh, all three of them. So working on a positive attitude with that. And I did just sign up for a new course that I'm eager to dive into. I generally invest in one course a year. And I've done that throughout my freelance and author journey. I've always gotten value from it. Um, there's really a lot of benefit to going in deep in area. And it also was fun because I just spent like the last week signing up for all of the free webinars for all of these different courses and then watching them and getting some of the free tips from the webinars or the, the boot camps or those things and then evaluating things um, with my husband and because he also helps me with the business side and we talk through our business stuff together. And then we made the choice of which one I was going to do this year. So uh, that is what I am doing with that. And on to the take of the week. Uh, I've had this question show up a number of times from clients, from people in my Facebook reader group or author group, rather, <laughs> rather, and just at classes I've taught uh, questions about dealing with messy middles, muddled middles, people being afraid that their middle is going to be boring. Maybe it's boring to write. And so here are some quick tips um, and things that you can check into with your middle of your book. First, check to see if you have a midpoint and you're writing toward it. Most stories need some kind of a midpoint. Now, if you're writing a very, very small story, a kind of flash fiction, you're not going to have the space in a thousand words to create a, a huge, in-depth, meaningful character arc. It's just not going to happen. But for longer stories, especially stories that I would say are about, you know, 5,000, 7,000 words and on, you can start playing with character arcs. And with character arcs, you always have this midpoint moment where your character is trying to figure out um, if it's a growth, growth arc, it's their choice. It's that inner choice to start changing, to go a new direction. And if it's a flat arc, then they're going to be figuring out how they can hold on to their values, hold on to their purposes and reason for being there. It's going to be a bit of a moment of extreme resistance or temptation. And then if uh, it's a tragic arc, it actually goes the same as a, a growth arc, but it's going to go in the opposite direction. So it's, again, Anakin Skywalker is going to look in the mirror and realize, you know what? I just have to be a bad guy. I just have to start making those bad choices. I just can't trust the people who have been with me and helped me this entire time. I have to trust the creepy old senator guy instead. And he makes that choice towards darkness. So if you don't have a midpoint moment in your story, then you're going to struggle with figuring out what your focus is, what you're writing towards in that middle of your book. So strongly recommend that you look at midpoints. Uh, check out James Scott Bell's book on Right From The Middle and 
that that's a good starting point book for figuring out midpoints. Also make sure that in your story, in your middle, you have a balance of protagonist moments and antagonist moments. Uh, make sure your antagonist hasn't disappeared in your story in the middle. Um, also make sure you have a balance of movement scenes and reaction scenes. These are often called scene and sequel, move and process, etc. You need to make sure that you're not just throwing action, 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 action constantly. You have to have some processing moments in there so that the reader can understand why the action matters and how it's moving the story forward. Make sure each scene has a clear goal as well and a clear way of moving the plot forward. We're going to be talking more about scenes in the next episode which is going to be again in two weeks because next week I am just dropping a video on my YouTube channel. I am not doing a full podcast episode next week, giving myself that time <laughs> to breathe as I'm on vacation. And the last thing to think, to think about when you're writing with messy middles is if it's working, if your beta readers are saying it's working, if your alpha readers are saying it's working, if the editor is saying it's working, but you're kind of like, oh, it might just be that you don't like writing middles. You might even be really good at it and you still don't like writing middles. And that's okay. Everyone has different preferences as authors. And the more that you start writing and you start figuring out your process, you may realize that that's just not your favorite part of writing your book or your story. And that's okay. You still got to get through it because you got to get to the end. <laughs> you got to finish. But you're allowed to have parts of storytelling that you enjoy more than others. Some people like all parts of storytelling, but a lot of people do have their favorite moments and the middle may just not may just not be yours. And that's okay. So make sure that you're doing all those elements, make sure that it is in fact working and then get through it if it's just a matter of personal dislike of middles. Now, for the main topic, should you become an author virtual assistant? First of all, we're going to distinguish what an author virtual assistant is as opposed to other three kinds of author services that authors often purchase. And this would be editors, cover designers, and marketing specialists. And I'll also throw formatters in there, although a lot of authors I'm seeing, especially indie authors, are figuring out their own ways of doing formatting with Word, with Atticus, with Vellum, etc. I've seen that formatting is one of the things that authors go to first <laughs> as a DIY thing. I am not among them. I just like formatting with a passion and I happen to have a friend who does it very well. And so <laughs> she handles that for me. I pay her to handle that for me because I do not like formatting. It is not my favorite. But a majority of authors are DIYing formatting. So if you're going to add on author services, I wouldn't suggest you just add on formatting because you're probably not going to get the level of clients you need to just make it worth paying taxes on. And also the individuals who tend to need formatting help tend to not be very tech savvy and have a lot of questions. And you have to figure out how much your time is worth to answer all those questions and make things that specific and particular for those authors. So Let's just focus on the other three options, which are often editors, cover designers, and marketing specialists. So compared to a virtual assistant, um, assistants are going to be performing tasks on a regular basis. So for an editor, this is a project-based service. They're going to edit your manuscript and get it back to you. They're going to proofread your manuscript and get it back to you. It is a one-time service maybe two times if you got you know a second pass for them to review your changes same thing with a cover designer 
you're going to pay them. They're going to get you the book cover. It's project-based. Uh, marketing specialists. At the higher level, a marketing specialist is going to create a strategy guide or they're going to create a system for you. Um, they're, or they're going to help you with a specific book launch. And then after the launch is over, they're done. After the strategy guide is created, they're done. After the hour that you paid for them to come up with ideas with you, that's it. So these are one-time services. Now, they may, you may hire them more than once. You may uh, have your cover designer that you hire for multiple projects, but that's still individual projects. Whereas assistants are going to be performing tasks on a regular basis. They're also going to be performing routine tasks often. So cover design, editing, marketing specialists, these are specialty tasks and they're going to be um, one time. Versus assistants, we're talking more about scheduling your social media posts every week, doing your email newsletter once or twice a month, going ahead and... Um, creating different graphics for you every week for different aspects of your author brand. So it's a ongoing tasks and it's often more routine tasks uh, set for certain times, certain days, etc. Also, assistants are looking for continual direct guidance from you. They assist you. So when you hire an editor, you are impressed by some credentials they have. They are an expert in, in an area that you maybe aren't, or even if you are an expert, you need someone else who's also an expert to look at in your book and give you insight. Cover designers the same way. They need guidance from you, and you have to give them feedback on their visions and things like that. But you don't have to tell them how to layer different elements on a book cover, or you shouldn't have to. They should know that. <laughs> You can say, okay, I need this figure to look this way or she needs to have this kind of hair color, but you don't have to like hold their hand through things. Whereas assistants, they're going to be looking to you for the schedule. They're going to be looking to you to approve what they do. They're going to be looking to you to give them feedback on the graphics or the emails. They're going to be looking to you to give them content for the email newsletters. They are assisting you. So you have to still making those choices in a lot of times in a lot of ways and you have to be willing to check on their work and make sure it's what you want them to do so it's a bit of a different dynamic than just saying I'm hiring this person as an editor here's a manuscript okay I will get it back in like two weeks four weeks six weeks etc and you don't have to like look over their shoulder or you, you shouldn't be <laughs> so that's the difference now the perk of this for an author is that if you're doing virtual assistant work, it is additional income that is available on a consistent basis. And so if you consistently need an income source at regular intervals performing these routine tasks, like that's a great job for you. If you're the kind of person where you just need to add on something where you can just do some routine detail work for someone and get paid a certain amount of money, this is, this is great. And the trick with this is that it should be routine. It shouldn't be super high level tasks. Unless you choose to frame your service as some kind of premium done for you at the highest level service, you shouldn't be making big choices for the author as a virtual assistant. Again, unless you choose to, unless you offer some kind of higher level for that, you know, you're not the one that should be telling the author when the best release date is for their book. You're their assistant that helps schedule out their social media launch posts 
or there or gets in touch with a blog a blog tour provider or an Instagram tour provider. You know, that's your job. Your job is not to give them, to make those choices or decisions for them. You are their assistant. So it can be a real load off your brain if you're looking for something that's a little bit more basic and a little more just doing the work versus having to make all the decisions all the time. Again, unless you choose to do that. And if you are an assistant who is making, excuse me, really high level choices about what specific kind of content goes up, not just suggestions, like suggestions are fine. You can say, okay, this day we're going to do this. But if you're an assistant who is having to choose all of the brand colors for the author, if you're an assistant who is having to create a visual brand guide or who is having to um, make those higher level decisions, then you probably should be charging more money for your services because you're doing, you're doing work at a much higher level um, than just taking the brand that exists and promoting it around in various ways. So when you're looking at becoming an author virtual assistant uh, or in-person assistant, here are some key questions to ask yourself. What are my goals and intentions for doing this kind of work? So what kind of specific income thresholds do you need to meet? Make sure that you're working enough so that you meet those thresholds, or maybe you're maybe you need to just make a little bit. Maybe you only have a few hours. Make sure that you don't t- try to take on a client who wants to use you for more hours than you have. Make sure you communicate how many hours you realistically have to work for someone. Um, what kind of schedule does the work need to fit into? What hours of the day are you going to be doing these kind of tasks? And ask yourself, why am I choosing this kind of work instead of trying to write more books, write to market, design covers, etc.? Why is virtual assistant work the best choice for you right now when there are other options? Which brings us to question two, which of course also has some questions. Uh, ask, what am I good at? Does being an author assistant suit my natural gifts? And or if it doesn't suit my gifts, am I willing to learn or kind of fit myself into that box? So the trick with author assistant work is that instead of being project-based, it's ongoing. So if you're a freewheeling author who wants to do things on your own terms, or you would prefer project-based things where people can just give you the work and leave you alone, taking on clients who expect consistent social media posting, influencer outreach, this is going to seem like a bit of a drag. If, If you already have a boss in your day job and you don't want another person checking in on you, then you don't want to be an author assistant because you should be checked on periodically. You're assisting someone else. You're communicating with them. You're not going off in a corner and creating a cover. You are doing daily consistent work for them in a certain way in which they're giving you direction. If that doesn't sound good to you, this is not going to be a great fit. In general, if you're an organized, systems-based, detail-oriented person who likes taking direction, author assistant work is going to be a smart choice. Um, If you're good at being consistent, I keep saying this because it's true, being consistent, this is also a good choice. If you're naturally creative and free-spirited, this might be a good choice or might not be a good choice. If you have an author who wants to hire you and just wants you to do everything that you feel like doing, sure. But knowing that a lot of this routine work that is being hired out to you only works if it's consistent. Being free-spirited, doing work when you feel like it, um, looking at the author's brand and going in a completely different direction because you like these colors better, 
that's not going to work very well with assisting the author in their goals. So a part of this whole assistant thing, especially like all services, but especially with this one, you are listening to them. Now, if you have some specific improvements that you think can be made, you can, of course, offer that to the author or even work with authors who want that higher level of service. But it's ultimately their choices. You are assisting them. The third thing, the third question to consider is what kind of clients do you want to work with? As with most, most freelancing, you might start off with, well, whoever will hire me. But you're going to discover quickly that there are individuals who you do not mesh with and vice versa, who do not mesh with you, which is why I strongly recommend the 30-day trial period, period in your contract. I recommended it uh, in last week's episode talking about how authors can hire virtual assistants. And I recommend you also offer this 30-day trial period. And yes, ask to be paid <laughs> during this trial period. You are still working for them. You are still doing the work. This is just a trial period to see if your work and their vision and your working styles mesh together well. Also, knowing the kinds of authors you want to work with can help you in marketing because you can directly speak to that kind of person, provided this is the kind of person who also wants to hire assistants. So do your market research. Think about the kind of author that you want to work with and then check online, check in author groups, ask around and make sure that that author with that personality is the kind who's going to hire an assistant. Now, along with this is a bonus tip why I do not recommend service trades, especially for author assistant work. So in general, I am a bit cautious about trading author services work because it can be challenging to measure the value of a specific or particular service. For example, a close friend of mine does great formatting work. I mentioned it before, and I, of course, do market-focused edits. At first, it might make sense for us to do a simple service trade. No money needs to change hands. I just edit her manuscripts and she formats mine. The problem is that our general evaluations of a particular service can vary and it can cause a bit of weird friction, especially if I have a manuscript that takes almost no effort for her to format really. I mean, it takes the usual work, but it doesn't take a lot of work, you know, extra work. But maybe I want five updates to a different book that weren't part of that, but is sort of part of a trade. Maybe she doesn't have a book for me to edit right away to trade with that. So it's kind of messy and she has to put aside her work to do something as a trade for me, but her part of the trade is not happening yet. Or what if conversely, I, I mean, I edit for pay, but if I just did a trade, uh, a service trade with her, what if I had to one month when I had to make sure some bills got paid, she was like, oh, well, I need this manuscript edited service trade and I will do like a formatting work for you later on in the year. Well, that doesn't help me at that moment when I have bills that need paid to suddenly do a service trade when I need the money. So that's where it has a bit of weird friction. It could feel very kumbaya, it can feel very, oh, we just don't need to worry about money. We can just trade things. But it gets weird when you integrate that with life. So after talking through this, we decided now we're just going to pay each other outright. If we want to offer special deals to each other, that's our individual choice. And again, you're for these things, you're more than welcome to offer deals to whoever you feel like it. It's literally your business. But paying someone outright for services, even though if they're a close friend, can be a great alternative to trying to do service trades where the valuation is weird, where sometimes they actually really need the money or you might need the money, but they're like, oh, service trade. And you're like, I can't pay my bills or pay buy groceries with service trades or buy gas with service trades. 
And then it gets messy with a virtual assistant because how do you trade eight weeks of email newsletter work for an edit? How does that work? What if the edit is less work or more? What if the email newsletter thing shuts down and the email newsletter work ends up being longer? It gets weird. So when in doubt, just pay someone outright and vice versa. It makes it easier on the friendship, on the author networking, on the workload and on your business paperwork. If you really, after listening to all this, want to do the service trades anyway, you know I can't stop you. I, I literally can't. But it can get messy on a lot of levels. You have been warned. So going over the three questions we discussed in terms of becoming an author virtual assistant. Remember, what are your goals and intentions for doing this kind of work? What are you good at? Does being an author assistant suit your natural gifts or can you learn? What kind of clients do you want to work with and do they want to work with you? Are you offering things that they specifically need? And in the bonus content for this episode, I'm going to dive into three specific kinds of author assistant work you can do, the pros and cons of each, and the current needs of authors in these areas. So if you're interested in becoming an author assistant or hiring one, please head over to the Author Elevate Patreon and click on the $3 a month level or above. You're going to get access to my entire library of additional training materials. You're going to get access to this additional bonus content, you're going to get access to all future bonus content. It's 80% less than the cost of a one-on-one coaching session. For those of you on tight budgets, it's a great way to support Author Elevate and still get weekly help that's an addition to what you're going to get from this podcast. And it, again, it supports what we do at Author Elevate and our whole mission, which we absolutely appreciate. Also, if you found this episode helpful, please do share it on social media or your email newsletter so other authors can benefit. Now go forth and be awesome.